This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. This week's episode is brought to you by Casper, a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress. Visit casper.com slash MuggleCast and use code MuggleCast to receive $50 off your order. Weekly episodes of MuggleCast are brought to you by Patreon supporters. Thank you for your support, patrons. Visit patreon.com slash MuggleCast to pledge and receive exclusive benefits in return. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 328. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. And it's a big anniversary week in the Harry Potter fandom. I know, I know. We were just talking about the 20th anniversary of the Harry Potter series of J.K. Rowling dropping <laughs> dropping <laughs> the first Harry Potter book. <laughs> but um, uh, already we're at another anniversary here. It's a big summer for Harry Potter. We are now this Friday, July 21st, is the 10th anniversary of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows being published can you guys believe it oh man no i no same and i consider this to be a bigger anniversary than the 20th of harry potter because we all remember the 10th anniversary of death we all remember the midnight release of deathly hollows so vividly still we don't remember the 20th or you know the the day the first harry potter book was well, published yeah. cause none of us knew about it well, and I yeah, I think that's that's the important thing to underline here is we were all t- together as a world as fans by book seven, at least all of the hosts of MuggleCast. I'm not talking about physically in the same location, though many of us were. Um, yeah. But around the world, we were all fans and everything. But we all came into the series as a sort of tapered. I know Andrew, you're one of the first to get into the series, but for me, example as an example, it was after the first movie in 2001. So yeah. I didn't celebrate really the 20th anniversary of Potter. I spent the day thanking J.K. Rowling once on Twitter, but you know, ultimately, <laughs> my 20th anniversary is going to be. You made the uh, obligatory post, right? Yeah, obligatory Somebody post, and then twisted like, your arm a little bit. But my 20th anniversary is four years away. So for for, for this date, oh, and especially because it's. Especially because it's ten, um, that's huge. And doesn't it just feel like yesterday, fellas? Uh, I don't know about yesterday. I mean, to me, what's so crazy is that (laughs) it's been ten years going back to 2007, and that the podcast was only around for two years prior to that. That's what blows my mind more than anything else. And and now here we are, ten years removed from the final book being released and and that we've been doing this now we're coming up on our 12 year anniversary speaking of anniversaries we're coming up on <laughs> on our 12 years and 2007 it it does it seems long ago to me i don't i don't know why yeah well i mean those were i'm glad you brought that up the first 2 years of the podcast because they were a mega productive 2 years the fact that episode 100 was our live podcast from Waterstones Piccadilly Circus in London. Uh, it was so perfect. Means, and, and that's literally, like, July 21st is actually 50 weeks, literally 50 weeks after August 5th, 2005. So it means there was a MuggleCast, the equivalent of every single week between when it was started and Book 7. So, I mean, that's impressive. And, Andrew, I don't know how... You kept up with all that editing and all that releasing and all that produce. I just don't. I didn't think it was possible. You were one man up. He made his brother uh, do it. Really? No, <laughs> that's the secret. No. 
I I enjoy editing. It's therapeutic, actually. Um, I don't <laughs> only edit this my show voice anymore. though. Andrew is therapeutic. Yes, that that is true. All those pre-recorded segments. You know, it just occurred to me. I said where we were, but Micah, I don't know where you were for book seven. I don't know where I was either. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was. I think I was unable to go to London because of work. Uh, I was here in New York. I, I probably did what most people did, and that was go to the bookstore at around midnight and and pick up the book and came home and read it. it what, it's not as uh, exciting. I don't have a great story to tell like you guys over in the UK, staying up to all hours of the morning. Kevin Steck spoiling people in the corner. Oh, uh, because God. He, guys, he had already gotten the manuscript. Copy. Yeah. <laughs> and he was kind of confer- is, um, I I don't know. I wasn't there, but it sounded like he was confirming what he had read in the leaked manuscript yeah. as he yeah. was going through the book. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Moody dies. You know? Yeah, he, he he read the entire book the week before because somebody had sent it, I guess, somehow to the one of the emails. Wasn't it he and Ben had both done that? Anyway, he, he got the book at midnight with the rest of us for one reason and one reason alone was to read like the opening sentence. And then he closed the book. I remember he closed the book and looked up and said, yep, this was the one I read. My leak was real. My leak the source was legit. <laughs> And what yeah, you- and actually what annoyed me about him having read it early was that he would be like, okay, so we were all in the same hotel room reading the book nonstop, you know, taking little breaks to sleep and eat and, you know, try to function as normal human beings. And every, so every once in a while he'd be like, where are you guys in the story now? And we would like show him where and he's like, oh, just you wait 10 more pages. <laughs> you won't believe what's coming up. <laughs> oh, man, it's hard to do that Kevin voice. Yeah, you, you're excelling um, at it, though. It's pretty good. Anyway, um, it was a very special time. I know I have a, I have a great picture somewhere in my Instagram of um, of uh, me and Laura. They didn't asleep. have Instagram back then. <laughs> well, you are very right. It was a throwback Thursday type oh, of thing. Okay. Like I think it surfaced TBT. years later. I think I took that photo. I, it's, yeah, so yeah. Laura and I are sleeping in bed, and I think we've got... I'm trying to find it now. We've got our copies of Deathly Hallows sitting on top of us, and we're just passed out, but... It symbolizes... Or it's, it really speaks, you know, a picture being worth a thousand words as they are. It really just... There's there's something so tender and innocent and calm and, and like, exciting about that photo. Like That photo epitomizes... The entire evening, although we didn't take photos of Jamie bawling his eyes out because that would have just not held up as well. He was. Do you remember how devastated Jamie was the the night of? He would never. Admit I wish. To that. I I wish we had pictures of that. To be honest with you, but by the way, I found this picture of me and Laura. We are both passed out. <laughs> it's really funny. And this yeah, was before sure. alcohol. I'll have to add it to the show notes. Oh no, that was. That was well. We didn't have any alcohol that yeah, we weren't drinking that day, night. but yeah. that was that was sheer exhaustion from our eyes. Yeah. Our eyes were telling our brains they needed a rest, and that was yeah. The we were result. we were hungover on Harry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I thought what we could do is talk about what's happened since Deathly Hallows, since now that ten years have passed, mm-hmm. and specifically, I just wanted to talk about the biggest things. And fandom, and we have a list here. I we were trying to keep it to ten. It's currently at twelve. 
Um, I could argue that some of these could be taken out, but Micah put a couple of them in, so I didn't want to hurt his feelings <laughs> by taking them out. So I'll just do it on the show instead of doing it passive-aggressively. Um, <laughs> well, this is in so, response to the people who, like Jamie, that evening were, all of us, were really concerned about Potter being over. Right. Because, I mean, if you yes. can think about it, like even even getting started in 2001 – that's only six years of Potter. Had had somehow it really ended that night, people lost interest, people, mm. you know, yeah. didn't care for the movies that were still coming out, it would have been such a short trip around the sun um, between us and Devastation. The fact that there are not 10 but, but 12 potential items. In, I was going to say, though, Eric, yeah. I think Jamie's moved on quite well. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's funny because for somebody so moved, he's not here with us right now. <laughs> I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure we invited him, so I'm not. And, you know, I don't know. Andrew, I, I, joking aside, I think you could even make this list longer. It just depends how much you really want to sort of pack in 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 this show in right. terms of the top stories or the or the top moments. Uh, because I'm sure yeah. we all have different ones. I'm sure people listening have different moments and events that they would include sort of in their top ten since yeah. Deathly Hallows was released. Right. Well, the point of making it 10 was because 10 years. But yeah, we could you could definitely probably go up to 20. But basically what I was trying to do with this list was just come up with the biggest things. Just stick it to the stick with only the biggest things. Yeah. And Eric, you bring up a great point. I was actually writing about this. I'm working on an article for Hypable for the anniversary. The fact that if you look at all of these items, none of these existed no, we could have predicted we we knew that none of these were coming yeah 10 years ago so the fact that all these came by surprise i think really tells you just how great this past decade has been for harry potter fans and the fact that you know what what about if we look to the next decade I mean, maybe we can do that on our next episode we we've done speculating before about what's to come but like if we didn't know about these 10 things what what else could possibly lie ahead. So Mike is still adding items to the document. I know Mike what just added it? in a depressing one. Well, it's still a major thing that's happened. It's got to be chronological. Right, dude. Right. Not just him. There are others that we can mention as well. Yeah. Okay. So, so one of the big things, one of the earliest big news items was J.K. Rowling revealing that Dumbledore was gay. Yeah. I, yeah. That and was that October. That was later that year. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it came out. I was looking at the transcript earlier today. Um, somebody had asked her, did, did Dumbledore ever love anybody? And she said, well, I always thought of him as gay. And there was a lot of applause in the audience. It was at Carnegie Hall in New York City. And she kind of explained her reasoning behind Dumbledore and love. And then she was like, well, if I knew that I was going to get that type of reaction, I would have told you all a lot sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking back, I'm like, really? Don't you think people have been would have been very excited to hear that? <laughs> Didn't couldn't you have known? <laughs> but um but uh yeah, and funnily enough, at in that same night, she said that's gonna give you guys something to speculate about for the next ten years. Just imagine all the fanfiction. <laughs> and which is eerie because now we're about to see Dumbledore in Fantastic Beast Two potentially with a gay storyline. So that so that that was kind of weird that she specifically said you'll be talking about this for 10 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so, it, it, this um, was this was major news. If you, if you go back and, it was. and look, I mean, on the cover probably of most magazines and front pages of a lot of websites online, it was it was pretty crazy to see the reaction to your point, Andrew, that this got not just inside of Carnegie Hall, but after the fact. It was also kind. It was right before. Um, how do I phrase this correctly? It, um, being gay was cool. Like, you know, it was before gay marriage in America, before gay marriage in a lot of places around the world. Not that it's very um, common yet, but it just, it gay wasn't mainstream, right? I would say. Right. And uh, I still remember being in New York City, at the, I think it was the day after, and, and just hearing it on the radio in a New York City taxi cab. Dumbledore is gay. This just in. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Micah, you're right. It was news at eleven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just remember too with, with about that topic. I think I was heading to do. I think I was on a plane that day to go to either Melbourne or Sydney for MuggleCast Down Under. It was it was it was right during that two week period where you guys sent in the videos and we did those those live podcasts for the Aussies. And I just remember. Thinking like gro- like it was worldwide news because we you know it hit me within minutes of it hitting the U.S. So that was kind of cool. But I just remember like growing up. I mean, you were talking about it not being mainstream, but it's it also we didn't. I think with at our age, we didn't have a lot of examples of that being a thing. Um, you know, and especially right. not within the world of that was that was what it was for me. Is I almost I mean I knew what gay was, but it wasn't. You know, we didn't. I didn't read anything that had a gay character before in it. Yeah. Or see anything where a gay character was prominent, not in 2007. So, you know, yeah. it, it just that that was uh, a big deal. And critics of her decision to out him would argue that you still haven't seen a gay character in the Harry Potter books <laughs> because she inserted it after the fact, after the books were published. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, we won't get into that. I feel like we've had yeah. that argument plenty of times before. We have. Yeah. Yeah. But so. Uh, Another story, Micah, you put this in. This was after. This was only a couple of months after the Dumbledore gay revelation, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the release to... of the uh, the Tales of Beetle the Bard, really the the first book that J.K. Rowling released officially uh, after Deathly Hallows, and uh, it was, of course, played a prominent role in in that story and and in the final book of the Harry Potter series, but. Uh, I think just the whole idea of being able to have another book that was written by her uh, not so long after the last book was released was something that people were excited about. And I remember they did a whole display, right? Um, I actually, I think I shared this with both of you. Uh, they did they put one of these books, which were handwritten by her initially. They had these very special editions that she did for certain people uh, on display at the New York Public Library for a period of time. And in the case where this particular version of Beetle the Bard was, was being showcased, they had a poster, and the poster tells the story, and then at the bottom it lists all seven of the books in the Harry Potter series. However, this version, for whatever reason, I remember I took a photo of it, because I was probably at the time was doing a report for MuggleNet, and there was books were out of sequence. So 
idiots. <laughs> you know what happened, though, when I wrote to them and I told them that I emailed them later on in the day. They said, yeah, you know what? You're right. We actually just noticed that. But for catching it, we're going to send you the poster. Oh, that's cool. What? So I, I have the poster somewhere here in, in, in my house, and I've kept it. I, I would have liked the um, what is probably either $100,000 plus million, whatever it is, version of Beetle the Bard that was contained <laughs> in it, which is worth far more money than that poster is. Here, kid, uh, have a poster. But I'll, I'll settle I for the I just imagine you writing to the library. Um, excuse me, New York Public <laughs> Library. I noticed that these books were listed here's, incorrectly. Here's the, the truly you need to cool. flip them around. Here's a really cool thing about Beetle the Bard. Uh, at first, it, it, it was never supposed to be from the outset that this would be a public book. She hand wrote seven copies uh, of of Beetle the Bard. She wrote these stories out and gave them to the people most connected. She gave them as presents to the people Why most the connected. Why the hell did I get one? To the Harry Potter books. Well, there were seven Mugglecasters alone. Uh, so she couldn't just, you know, favor us. She could cut the book into seven. They were given to her book. editors, yeah. probably the person who first discovered her. Yeah. Um, got it. And this is, I'm reading Wait, off you know what? an article. I, I, I don't think this should be on the list. Why not? Moments. Because, because the, the, the stories, like it was, it was nice to read once. No. The stories weren't. Well, I mean, you could also cut. You're thinking about this all right. Let, let's cut casual vacancy because two people on here never even finished it. That's true. Yeah, well, That's... I would agree casual vacancy shouldn't be on this list no, either. The casual vacancy should be on this list for the same reason Beetle the Bard should be on this list. Uh, actually, little different reasons, what? but very good. Beetle the Bard should be on this list, hear me out, because it was J.K. Rowling's first return to the world of Harry Potter in published form, in written form. These return. stories, These stories, chronologically, they are. The Warlock's Harry Heart is one of the best, like... Uh, fairy tales ever written, ever, and I will fight you on that. Uh, I will fight anyone who comes to me and says the Warlock's Harry Heart isn't awesome and amazing. But, I mean, babbity rabbity, look, it's just good fun. Like, the fact that she was willing to have fun, and at first it felt so exclusive, like, oh, bourgeoisie, J.K. Rowling, you know, only seven people will ever lay their eyes on it. The fact that it was released to the public for charity, just like Fantastic Beasts, just right. like Quidditch Through the Ages, was okay. for all of us. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, I agree with you, Eric. And the other thing that I would add here is this was the beginning of the post-Potter era in terms of the books. Mm-hmm. It, it started off everything else that falls after this in terms of continuing to engage the fan community beyond what we knew as the seven-part series. Mm-hmm. Beetle the Bard started fairy that. tales irrelevant to what happened in Harry Potter. No. This didn't engage the fandom. The three we brothers. We bought it because we were sad that Deathly Hallows just came out a few months ago. The three if this came out right now, you're spoiled. I wouldn't care. You're spoiled Harry Potter fan. We've talked about illustrated editions of books on this show. <laughs> well, okay? Those are so interesting. This is an illustrated edition. These are all new stories. Don't say that word. But do you understand don't what I'm saying, though, in that. terms of starting the fan community it, it 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 was the first time I feel like people were really engaged post Deathly Hallows. Engaged? How were they engaged? I love these book. stories. I love these and? stories so much. 
I love them so much. What were the and sales of Beetle the Bard? In four million dollars in, in the four million pounds in the first week, according to the Guardian. Thank um, you. And but just because people are buying it doesn't mean they're engaged. It meant well, you they went say out the and same bought thing it. About the cursed child. Two point six people yeah, bought no. it doesn't mean they're engaged. So, yeah, not oh, to, they not, were engaged. Uh, they not, wrote the reviews on Amazon. Not to jump ahead. They, they came out and <laughs> they were engaged in. And by the way, doing it poorly. I'm just looking at this list right now. Biggest things. There are movies they came out after Deathly Hallows that aren't. Yeah, even like on five this of list. them, and none of them are yeah, on this well, list. Uh, well, because we knew those were coming. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we're having a good fight here. So let's continue. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I mean, this is fun, isn't it? Are the listeners enjoying? Are patrons? Are they asleep? <laughs> I think they're What's having fun. On? Here, here's what we can all agree was a big one: Pottermore. That now, so Pottermore came out in 2011. There was a lot of pre-launch hype. We were all excited because we thought it would be more than I think it really ended up being. Um, you might remember at the beginning, you had to go through a few of the chapters to get to the sorting quiz, which was really frustrating for people who just wanted to take the sorting quiz. Um, you 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 had to go through the book chapter by chapter to to explore everything, which was frustrating. It was built on Flash, which was kind of on its way out. Potter, P- Pottermore did launch the ebooks, so that was one big reason why Pottermore launched to begin with. Um, but it did finally hit its stride in the past couple of years. It, it has a purpose now, and I've I've spoken about this before on the show and in, in the past year or two. Pottermore is a place where news is made now, and there, it, it covers multiple areas of the Harry Potter fandom. The, the Harry Potter fandom has expanded so much with Cursed Child, with Fantastic Beasts, with the theme parks, etc. Right. Um. There, there's just it. It is the hub it's for the all things Harry Potter now. Yeah, yeah. Hmm? Uh, I I agree. I, I think when Pottermore first launched, and you talked about some of the issues, also the fact that the the whole having to collect different things. Do you remember that? Like you hovered, I loved over it. it. You could, you could and collect. The other side of those chapter by chapters was that you never really got to see the characters because one of the things that they were championing at the time was that they didn't want people's who who they didn't want people who were going through and experiencing Potter for the first time through Pottermore to be influenced in any way by having faces having um, faces to the characters yeah so it, it was definitely a little bit of an odd experience I, I I think that there were definite things that were lacking from what we were all anticipating as fans. And uh, I, I think though where they've gone to now, they, they've, they've kind of found their bread and butter. And, See, and I, I, uh, you disagree. I, d- I do a little bit. So I not, I'm not with most of what you were saying. I never found it awkward that there weren't faces on Pottermore. And I think, honestly, I honestly truly think that Pottermore has betrayed its own promise of what it – I liked what it once was more than what it is now by a factor of like 10,000. Um, you know, the initial promise was we are going to revisit these books and I, J.K. Rowling, will provide new insights and new informations around every corner. Um, and it turned out like every corner turned out to be every 15th corner and to get like – 
we had the, they had those user issues. I, I think it was branded a little bit wrong again, like the privacy issues. We could never remember our own username. There, there were there were growing pains. I, I won't deny that. But I think that originally what it was was – and the Flash, you mentioned it being on its way out even back then. I would agree, except they pushed it to its limit. Pottermore was beautiful, and, and those moments were all heavily artistic and exciting. At least then it was something that you know they, they, they had the money. They threw the money at it and made it look gorgeous. The only thing that was lacking from original Pottermore, in my opinion, was J.K. Rowling. The promise was a lie. She barely wrote anything about those characters. They're all collected now, of course. We, you know, something on McGonagall, something on Hagrid, and I think that's it for book one. Darn it! Um, there just wasn't much content lurking there after all. It was a big yeah. bit of misdirection, and yeah, it it never felt like J.K. Rowling was present with us the same way that it had when it was just J.K. Rowling dot com. Um, but still, it was a big deal when it was announced because um, we kind of thought that this was the future of Harry Potter. It was, like I said, this was where the ebooks started. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, so it was Pottermore was Harry Potter's introduction into the digital era. Harry Potter started before the digital era. Um, I would just add, and, though, I, I would credit the digital era for making Potter what it became yeah yeah i I don't think there's any question the fact that we're sitting here doing a podcast the way that the fan community was able to connect with each other was through websites like MuggleNet, the leaky cauldron uh and and others and um and am i remembering correctly that didn't pottermore give certain clues to different fan sites in order yeah. for the yeah, there prior was like to the Google reveal street view cu- clues there was just all Did this we each get a letter pre-release yes. anticipation that was it a letter everyone had a letter and so however many p-o-t-t-e-r-m-o-r 10 letters 11 letters I, I just i couldn't count i ran out of fingers to count on but um that was cool and yeah, I, I think initially, like the reveal and being a part of the movement and the internet, I seem to recall the CEO at the time, there were three or four throughout Pottermore's history, at the time was talking about going through Pottermore on, on plain seat backs, like on airplanes, the seat backs of airplanes, and was like, this is our, this is our lofty target for what you'll be able to do and how you'll be able to experience jk rowling's magical works like plain seat backs for crying out loud but the the ideal was there and it was really really kind of cool and made it seem like again it was very corporate but it it didn't seem at the time it just seemed like a lot of money is being thrown at harry potter again and we the fans are going to exclusively benefit but we didn't, and and it was also supposed to introduce new readers to Harry Potter. That's why yeah. those chapter by chapter breakdowns existed, so you could read the book and then go to Pottermore mm-hmm. and get a little information I'm every time sure you completed a chapter. It achieved that goal, though. Yeah, I wonder if what they're doing no. now is going to be any more successful. But considering I haven't heard anything about it, and it's been like a month, I probably am guessing it's not. Well, they don't have sponsors anymore. They had Sony as a sponsor. Now they don't. I'm not sure where exactly the money is coming from. But look, it's it's a Harry Potter news website now. It's got some encyclopedia elements to it. And Mm -hmm. I do think it's in a good place. They've got cool quizzes. Yeah, I, I said the same thing. I think it's found its purpose. And look... 
it's 2017. It was much different back when it launched, and it's changed much like the next item you have here on the list, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. The theme park is much different yep. today uh, than it was back then because at the time, the park had only been open for just about a year in 2007. No, no, no. The park opened in 2010. Oh. So why hey, does it say yeah. expansion? <laughs> oh, uh, ex- well, oh. I'm Well, Wizarding World including expansion and LA and Tokyo. So so why in two- think it opened in 2006. I No. Maybe in my mind it did. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in Micah's mind he was you way made ahead it in of the Roller curve. Coaster Tycoon in 2006. That's what it That's was. That's what you're thinking. That's I will say was. Uh, as we go through this list, the most rewarding thing that I can't help but hark back on is there are episodes of MuggleCast dedicated to each of these news stories when they were hot. Including um, Beetle the Bard. <laughs> inclu- well, but but no, I mean, the, the Wizarding World, there's probably 15 to 30 episodes of MuggleCast between when it was announced and when it was revealed and Andrew was there for the opening in Florida and I uh I think I was on a construction tour and talked about it like that that real time news update anticipation was captured again uh in you know it wasn't just our our book anticipation in the first 100 episodes it was it was after that we got to do it again we got to look forward to something and talk about something we didn't know what the outcome would be and and all of these things were happening to us and it's all documented it's all right available on our mugglecast website it's all there yep um yeah so the wizarding world this was a big one of course because it you cannot be a harry potter fan and visit the wizarding world theme park and not absolutely adore it it is just a sight to behold because you are completely i sound like i sound like one of the universal people right now but you're completely immersed in the wizarding <laughs> world and it's just unreal but really i mean <laughs> is that what, what they always sound strikes like in me, florida yeah um, that's the florida accent yeah every time i visit the theme park i'm i'm struck by how many passionate harry potter fans are there the people wearing the cloaks in the summer heat, the people wearing their favorite Harry Potter t-shirts, and God knows there's a ton of different Harry Potter t-shirts these days, and you just see how happy they are to be there, and it makes you realize that Harry Potter has never really left them. They're still as passionate as they once were. So I just think the best thing about the Wizarding World theme parks is really getting to get in touch with your inner fan. Well, and that was like, our hub. No other way. There were there were 5, I think, Harry Potter conventions or maybe 7 that took place in Florida as a re- as a direct result of the theme park being there. It was Harry Potter fans finally for the first time had a mecca, had something to go to, something to celebrate each other in. And, you know, I'll never forget Infinitus and LeakyCon and uh, quite a few geekies, I think, too, that were all in Florida that had evenings in the park. And it was all these 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 places where we could go and be fans together. And that never happened before. I mean, we'd, we'd picked bookstores, but this was, a, this was an area that was dedicated solely for us. Um, and and it, it brought about further experiences and further uh, moments of illumination and, and understanding. We are going to continue our discussion of the 10-year anniversary of Deathly Hollows in just a moment. First, Micah and I want to tell you about Casper Mattresses. That's right. I wish I had a Casper Mattress for the midnight release of Deathly Hollows. <laughs> well, I mean, that was back in 2007. Maybe I, that would be a bad idea because I just would have fallen asleep. That's right. You would have 
not been able to finish the book while everybody else was reading. Yeah, Casper is a uh, sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. Its award-winning sleep surface was developed in-house. It's got a sleep design. It's a delivered in a small, how did they do that, sized box. It is. It's it's funny because I got one of these mattresses recently, and I remember coming home and it had been delivered, and I'm looking at it, and I'm saying to myself, how in the world does a full-size mattress fit into this box? For the last couple of nights, this is this is new. This is only over the last couple of nights. I can't even tell you how well I've slept. The the memory foam that these mattresses are are made out of uh, is really cool, and it adjusts to your body. It it's definitely a a unique experience. I'm getting used to it because I've slept in the same bed for a long, long time. So to have this now, uh, Casper mattress is really really enjoyable. I really believe that it's the perfect mattress in that it's a nice mix between soft and firm. The, also, another nice thing about Casper mattresses is that, is that they are completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. I've had mine for, I guess... Uh, about two months now. I've been sleeping on it for two months now, and I don't think I'll be sending it back because I'm a little <laughs> addicted to it at this point. Well, you just got back from London. You're saying you're a little jet oh, lagged. You, you're in the midst of recording a long uh, podcast, and and yeah, what more could you want to do than just go put your head down and go to sleep on that? So Casper badly, mattress? my my body thinks it's three a.m. right now. And getting back last night after a seven and a half hour flight. <laughs> I can't tell you how happy I was to curl in the bed. I pushed my dog off. I don't care that I broke his leg. I just, I was like, Brooklyn, I need to sleep. Sorry. So we got a deal for you. Go to casper.com slash mugglecast and enter code mugglecast at checkout. You will get $50 towards any mattress purchase. Casper.com slash mugglecast. Use code muggle. Terms and conditions apply. Check it out. I think Mike and I both think you're really gonna like it, Mike. I'm here. I'm glad to hear you're you're enjoying it just as much as I am. It's also nice to know I can come visit you, stay at your place, <laughs> and I'll have a mattress I already know and love waiting for me. I'm gonna push you off the bed. That's right. <laughs> I'll I'll go sleep on the couch. All right. Once again, that's Casper.com/slash/MuggleCast. Enter code MuggleCast. Thanks to Casper for their support. All right. Moving on in this list, uh, casual vacancy. That's this nice. This was Jake. This was <laughs> right. This was J.K. Rowling's first post Potter book, so that's why it was a big deal. But then, once we read it, we realized, well, or tried to read it, we realized maybe that it wasn't for us. Yeah, um, I finished own, it. Did yeah, you my, like it? No, not really. I, I think it's it was definitely a different kind of read. It's completely the antithesis of Harry Potter. Uh, in terms of tone and mood, it's it's tough to get through. So I'm certainly don't um, mm. you know take issue with the fact that either of you guys didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. I it's just not for everybody. Like Harry Potter seemed to be this all-encompassing series that people of any age background could read and enjoy. Casual Vacancy was not that, and I think that. There was some level of disappointment that came along with that 
from readers that had just enjoyed Potter for so long. I remember the event um, that she did. Was it at Lincoln Center uh, for the casual vacancy? And she yeah. did a book signing. A number of us were there. And uh, that event was cool. Um, so something yeah. positive related to the casual vacancy. That was the only t- that's the only time to date I've met her. Oh, got to say uh-huh. like two, you know, say two was, words, but it was because she said direct message. Say you want to catch up. I, she won't answer my questions on Twitter. It's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> what two words did you say to her? I love. All right, next. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Pretty, pretty much it was yeah it, well uh, i didn't get an i love you actually i it's it, i said it i said like 15 words but they were in the span of two words i, I had a prepared speech <laughs> so it was the so equivalent she, of want to go ball with me yeah yeah yeah. pretty much i said <laughs> thank you for continuing to put pen to paper all these years and changing my life or something like that oh that's sweet it was special she how'd said, that go thank, uh she said thank you she looked me in the eye and said thank you um, oh, good. It was nice, there but it was go. yeah that that Lincoln Center event. I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world, honestly. And and my only regret is that that book ended up not being as hopeful or uplifting, or you know, as we know, she is capable of writing. I mean, Micah, you actually finished it. I mean, does it have like a a hopeful ending, or is there sort of happiness to be found, or is it just as bleak as? Not as really. The <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there there's definitely some really dark moments, and. Uh, I know it was made into an HBO series. Has that aired well, yet? Two two part series. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's aired. Yeah, we gotta uh, see that. I mean, I wouldn't. I what? wouldn't have that take the place of reading the book. I would still read the book. Yeah. But, and and maybe reading it now versus when it was released would be different for me. Uh, but I was not a. Uh, I was not a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. I yeah. It was just a very different book, but again, the reason it's it's here is because it was her, at the time, only published book that wasn't Harry Potter. So that was that was a very big deal, and anticipation was very high. Uh, what she didn't warn us is that it wouldn't really appeal to most Harry Potter readers. Well, yeah. what, we didn't know it was an adult novel. No, what but, happened was honestly, if if you really think about this, because of the reaction that she got to the casual vacancy for her next book series she decided to not even use her real name at all (laughs) yeah and write under a pen name well and ironically yeah i mean casual vacancy is still the only published work by jk rowling as jk rowling since harry unless you count the harvard commencement speech book that was released based on her commencement it was like it's just the transcript of her harvard commencement speech which by the way if you have not read or watched that speech I highly recommend it. That's good. That's good. But yeah, so so casual vacancy, like the fact that she, I will read that per your you know recommendation. But she, I, ironically, the Corman Strike series, which she wrote under Robert Galbraith, is very like Harry Potter. It's a mystery. It's funny. It's humor. Yep. It presents. Uh, I mean, it is. It it has the opportunity to be gruesome at times. Disembodiment, I think, is. Uh, a modus operandi for one of the killers and I think the second one but you know it's not light stuff but it's ultimately much closer to Harry than Casual Vacancy was in many aspects so, and, yeah. so the Cuckoo's Calling was published under the Robert Gal- Galbraith pseudonym um, in April of 2012 we didn't find out for three months 
that J.K. Rowling had published a book. It was sitting on bookstore shelves all across the world. And nobody knew it was a new J.K. Rowling book completely unrelated to Casual Vacancy. And and like Eric was saying, I mean, the, this Robert Galbraith series is really good. There's three books out so far. If you haven't read them, you really should. It's, it's the type of J.K. Rowling writing that y- you miss from the Harry Potter books. This was a big deal for the fandom because it was a classic J.K. Rowling trick. Yeah. It was, it was a secret. Until it wasn't. From J.K. Rowling. It was a major surprise. And she said, you know, she wanted to get back to the days of feeling like an unpublished author, of being able to publish a book without all the hoopla of being J.K. Rowling. Which she almost never com- had. Yeah. And, and that's completely understandable. Um, and she, it would have been kept a secret for longer if the Daily Mail or one of those tabloids didn't out her. Mm-hmm. That was remember how shocking that was when it I mean not only just getting the it reveal was. but the circumstances surrounding how it was outed like the wife of one of the publishers or a lawyer or somebody yeah was it was something weird like that at a cocktail and Rowling took him to court yeah. oh did she win yeah and then the money went to um some veterans oh. some veterans fund, fund. yeah because, because of Corman right exactly yeah. mm-hmm. that's great. And, there, there's, I mean, there's mentions of Potter in the series, which I find to be yeah. humorous. And then I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. I think when I read um, Corman Strike, at times he reminds me of Mad Eye Moody. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I don't know if that's just because they share similar um, injuries, the peg, the peg leg. Yeah, but also just in in I know we didn't get a lot of Mad Eye outside of Goblet of Fire, and that really wasn't him anyway. But, yeah, I I enjoyed that series. I think it's great. I know the next book, we have a title, but we don't have a release date, so hopefully that's coming soon. So it was Cuckoo's Calling, then The Silkworm, then Skin of Evil, right? Or not Skin of Evil. Career else. of Evil. Career of Evil. Skin of Evil is a Star Trek episode. It's not a good one. Don't even watch it. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's the fourth title? Do we know? We do know. I'm forgetting. Robert. White something. Yeah. Somebody Google it. We looked at lethal, it. Lethal, lethal White. There we go. White. Well, the name Albus is a translation of the word white. You said that on the last episode. Oh, too. damn. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep pointing that out to people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, again, big. Mo- that was a big moment because classic J.K. Rowling trick. I agree. Um, studio tour. I wouldn't say necessarily this is one of the biggest things. It is a very impressive thing. I, I, I went to it earlier this year, talked about it on the show. Um, but it is cool. It is like uh, I think I said on the episode, it's it's like a theme park. It's It's just as good as the theme parks, if not better, because there's so many sets there. And it does feel immersive. And it's the real thing. It, yeah. Right. The the lights and the cameras fell on these exact props and sets. Yep, Michael Gambon actually farted in that seat Ew. up at the I head bet of the he Great did. Hall. Iconic. Oh God. Iconic. This was the bookshelf. It's not really a big here. moment for fandom, guys. Think, I'm trying to focus on yeah. the big moments for fandom. I think that we really I should. Think that is though. You don't think that them opening up the sets for people yeah, to come no. and visit? Come on, that's huge. The that's actual ab- places. Oh, well, where, I mean, look. I know you got how to charitable go to the sets of them and visit them many times throughout your illustrious career. 
I but said it's cool. It is charitable it's just not because a good moment. hundreds of thousands of people put their effort and careers into the artistry of those films. And you know, the the one thing that I regret them not making available is the bookshelf that Dumbledore pushes Harry into, um, because we should all take turns, you know, pushing each other into it. Funnily, um, that would be a great photo op. Um, but other than that, I mean, you hey, know, look, I'm sure it's it's hard to make a top ten list that pleases everybody, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, comm- yeah. I commend you on. On what you put together, the studio tour. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't say this enough, but this, I'm pretty sure the studio tour has completely exclusive interviews footage uh, that's going on the screens up there. Like it, it, it's shot so. At brilliant. the beginning, they do. They have something with the trio that yeah, surprised it's, me. It's there's stuff with uh, David Barron and um, other producers and Heyman that does not appear on Blu-ray special features anywhere. So there are there is proprietary. If if you you'll get kicked out because you have to like go through the tour in a certain amount of time. But I my goal one day on my bucket list is to actually watch all of those documentaries that are at the studio tour. You know, start to finish. You do have as much time as you want, so long as you get there early enough. And oh, good. And I just have to go closes. earlier. Then. Yeah, you can't sleep there. Kind of. Oh, you can sit there. Oh, oh no, you can't sleep there. No, no. that'll be a new. Uh, Experience that you can pay a hundred dollars for. I bet in the future. I am Should waiting like for that. Breakfast that, that they to do? Um, Orlando. Uh, th- you know I, what? Well, I gotta yeah. imagine it's not far off. That's in our news for this episode. Here is a big moment: uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. We have yeah. spoken about it a lot. Mm. Um, what needs to be said? Really, it it was a big moment because it was marketed. It was billed as the eighth story. There's been a lot of controversy around that particularly because J.K. Rowling has said it should be considered canon. Um, It is so different from the Harry Potter books. It changes so much. It adds a couple of bombshells that are so ridiculous. Cedric Diggory, what? Voldemort and Bellatrix, what? That you just, that some people have a very hard time taking it seriously. One of the most common descriptions of the cursed child is it reads like fan fiction. And J.K. Rowling didn't write it, so where would we get that idea? Hmm. Right, right. This is J.K. Rowling authorizing a story that she did not write to be produced in very high-end fashion on London's West End as a, as a as a stage play. And not only one stage play, but it's like actually like two because it's a story. It's what, two, two and a half hour segments in two parts. There's act one, act two, act three, act four across two evenings. Like literally you're going to the theater in London, not one night, but two nights in many cases um, to go see this. Super inferior art. It will be making its way to Broadway next year. Woohoo. Yeah, so it's it's not disappearing anytime soon i again i've said before that um it is a very good show and i do highly recommend it 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 was easily one of the biggest things that happened in the past 10 years because it is a continuation of the harry potter series we know what happens now after the seventh book we do yeah you may not like what happens but that's what happens harry continues to suck as a person and he's (laughs) angry at everybody including mcgonagall still irredeemable a little Sad news to add in here. We lost Alan Rickman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mike had just included this. I guess it was sad because it was just like it was so unexpected. Well, anybody dying is sad. But the reason this particular death was so big was because it was so unexpected. This happened right. 18 months ago, almost to the day. Um, wow. January, yeah. four- January 14th, 2016. It It definitely had a very devastating effect on 
the the fan community and remember social media responding to it you know actors and actresses obviously who worked with him responding to it uh and i would argue probably outside of harry the most iconic figure in the series Mm -hmm. definitely the movie series the Um, movies yeah i Obviously. Yeah, but you yeah. know what? No, you know what? It's fair to say book series too. Snape is huge. Snape is absolutely the only character whose allegiance you come close to like not understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's a complete mystery. Alan Rickman's version of Snape, I think, is that we all, if we had a perception of Snape going into the movies, having read the books, I can't imagine anybody who didn't have their version. If that's not what they were expecting influenced by the way that he played that role i would agree and as as a guy you just hear about and these these were the stories that came out when he died how generous he was with the children on set uh the stories that he would tell the advice that he would give and his is his is always you know the story of being i don't know if it was nonplussed or maybe like wasn't going to take the role but when jk rowling personally told him the story of snape and his love for Lily, which was not out yet for years and years and years and years, he was one of the only people who knew that that Snape was more than just a two-dimensional, you know, snarling, hook-nosed, greasy-haired bad guy. That there was a, a humanity to him. You know, Alan Rickman found that to be so profoundly moving that he signed up for the rest of the films. I mean, he did the whole. He did. He followed them through because he thought that it was such a powerful story. And if that's not an endorsement. Uh, if you're J.K. Rowling, I don't know what is. Yep. So, you know, certainly sad news, is, as was uh, the passing of John Hurt, which happened yeah. not that long ago, who played uh, Ollivander. So it's, you know, these are Another somber moments. Character. Yeah, um, absolutely. That was January 25th of this year. So, Arguably the biggest moment for the Harry Potter fandom since Deathly Hallows was published was learning that J.K. Rowling was going to put together a Wizarding World film series for yeah. Warner Brothers yeah. that was announced in 2013. I still remember just, just being in awe. We, 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 we all dreamed of more Harry Potter, of more Wizarding World, but we just didn't see it coming yeah. so soon, I guess. I, I would agree um, completely that this is the biggest news of the last 10 years. Um, good. So not Beetle the Bard. Beetle the Bard's <laughs> real close. Beetle the Bard's like a close, close second. Number two. The more you okay. hate it, the more I'm going to start loving it. Um, but but yeah, like... Well, they're all tied together because... I, yeah. It's continuing the legacy. It's, it's J.K. Rowling continuing to play in the world of, um, of Harry. And we as Harry Potter fans could not want for anything more. Um, in my opinion. Yeah, um, and then part two of this story is that last October, J.K. Rowling announced it wouldn't be three films, but five. Yeah. Cha-ching. And... <laughs> Ka-ching. Well, it's better than them getting to, like, the last movie and them being like, oh, by the way, we're going to split this one into two. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we're going <laughs> to split this one actually into three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> J.K. Rowling did say at the time that she, when they announced it would be three films originally, she said that was a placeholder. Until she figured out the overall arc, everything she wanted to include. So I I, I buy that. And funny um, you mentioned that, though, because 
I know we kind of glanced over it a little bit when we talked about the movies, but the announcement that Deathly Hallows was going to be split into two films, I think, was a, a big moment as well. Yeah, I mean, also really just a big moment for Hollywood because that set up a trend. Oh, yeah. For Hunger Games doing it, Breaking Dawn doing yeah. it, Divergent. Mm-hmm. That was certainly significant news, yeah. Divergent never got a part two, did it? No, it, basically the series was canceled. <laughs> it's Jeez. supposed to be turned into a TV series. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, so they didn't finish? Happening. No, you got to read the book to find out what happens. I've, I've, and I've, I think I've read the books. Oh, well, the last one upset a lot of people, so it no. might be for the best that... No, I actually, I haven't. No, I, I lied. I haven't read that series. Oh, okay. Huh. They all blend together. Mm. But just just the fact that we still have four more Fantastic Beast movies to go, and I I think they're just going to get so good as we get Dumbledore and Grindelwald involved, even if it is Johnny Depp. I'm still so excited yeah. to see to see what we're building up to. And the, obviously, we've been talking about it a lot on this show, theorizing. There's so many ways it could go with all the different characters. So it's just it's just so exciting. I mean, we're gonna be we're gonna have new movies coming out through twenty twenty two, twenty three, twenty four ish, and then inevitably something else we've also talked before is that WB, of course, is one gonna want to keep doing more Wizarding World movies. So so J.K. Rowling might pump out some more diff- more movies for them mm-hmm. maybe a tv show who knows sky's okay. the limit yeah there'll probably be a another like four or five year hiatus um <laughs> it's I think. all over muggle cast is ending again <laughs> <laughs> hey let's cross that bridge when we come to it if it's 2027 and and we're still talking fan, you know fantastic beast we want to take another year-long break i think i'd be fine so couple more items let's get through these quickly yeah the ron and hermione reveal the reconsideration this was when jk rowling did an interview with emma watson for a magazine and jk rowling said that ron and hermione she wrote she put them together at at the end as a form of wish fulfillment those were her words Mm -hmm. she said that that her her merit their marriage would be struggled would be strained yeah and she had envisioned at the beginning that those two would get together. So that's why she put them together at the end. And it just rocked the fandom because first of all, Harry Hermione shippers were absolutely thrilled by this news. And second, it was like Ron and Hermione shippers were like, well, why are you saying this now? Don't, don't take back what you wrote. And I mean, she didn't exactly take it back, but she was reconsidering it, and it, and that hurts people when, when they've already settled into believing that they really did end up together. The author, one could argue, shouldn't be going back and being like, eh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I think the real reason this story's on the list is because of you and your headline. I mean, it made worldwide news because of a single word that said regrets, uh, yes. which was very, very, very intelligent and savvy for the journalist uh, thing. And, and, and everybody, I think the world took your lead on that to but, well, well, yeah. the world. But didn't the Sunday Times say regrets? They, oh, I, well, they, oh. The paper that originally published it used that word. Yeah, it Maybe. was it, so. it was not a genuine or above the board interpretation of the factual right dialogue but yeah like the 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 viewing of that information to say that if jk rowling could go back and do it differently she would that is is the real concern there that that sparked everyone's you know furor i think i think 
what caused the biggest uproar is the fact that J.K. Rowling herself, in an interview that she did with both Emerson and Melissa back in the day, referred to those who shipped Harry and Hermione as, quote, delusional. Emerson's words, she just laughed at them and said, yeah. But yeah, it's no, you're right, Micah, that those two good point. those two interviews in conjunction with one another is the nail in, in the coffin for that. You're exactly right. Um, another big item was Ilvermorny. Yeah. And, and the reason I think so is because there are obviously a lot of American Harry Potter fans, and we'd always wondered, well, what, what wizarding school would we have gone to? Yeah. And we always knew that there were other wizarding schools. Of course, we heard about a couple of them in Goblet of Fire. But um, Ilvermorny was a big deal because finally Americans could see where they would have went. And we thought that we would hear more about it in Fantastic Beasts the movie. We we didn't, at least not yet. Um, but J.K. Rowling did publish a fair amount on Pottermore, including some history of the school and the Ilvermorny sorting quiz. Yeah. And it was a big deal to hear that they did the the, the how the house system as well, and um, it, it was just a it was just an exciting moment, I guess, particularly for American Harry Potter fans. I'm curious how international people felt about it. Actually, come to think of it, yeah, I mean, she did the the schools of magic. We we now know. I mean, she identified I think ten schools. Um, yeah, ten or thirteen. It, it's probably only ten, but it'd be cool if it was thirteen. Um, but, uh, (laughs) worldwide. Yeah. It's just Pottermore. That was an example of Pottermore. I think when it was being relevant, um, for one of the only times it was in hosting a large amount of content, it was a substantial change in how we viewed or saw the wizarding world. And it came about through JK Rowling on Pottermore. And and it's even the idea that Fantastic Beasts would be set in in America, in New York, um, at least the first film, was huge. And and the Ilvermorny news was was a natural progression of of that is okay, now it's time to world build. Here's what's going on in America. And it was it was very important, I'd say, or relevant and inspiring to Americans to, as you said, Andrew, finally know where we would have gone. And then finally, this is kind of a, uh, a a an opposite answer. One of the biggest moments in the Harry Potter fandom is one we didn't get in the past 10 years. No encyclopedia. It's Darn. something we kind of thought we would have gotten, certainly before another Wizarding World film series. Absolutely. Certainly before... Terrible. Certainly before Sad. Alan Rickman died. Yeah. Certainly before... Um, J.K. Rowling regretted Ron and Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> Unless that was news in the encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's been writing on napkins since 1993 or 91. And... Um, <laughs> The the sheer amount of information that exists uh, tangential to the actual Harry Potter stories that she figured out during research because she's she's the best um, exists somewhere, and we haven't seen it. J.K. Rowling, the napkin collection coming to <laughs> fall. I hope they actually printed on old Elephant House napkins. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> little, little elephants and the thingy and the. Have you been there, yep. by the way, Andrew? You've been to Europe a couple times. No. So you go to that. I think Mm-mm. it's in Edinburgh. So happy ten years to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Yeah, we went through 
a lot of what's happened in the past 10 years, and here's to another 10 years of surprises from J.K. Rowling. And an encyclopedia. No more Beetle the Bard type books, though. Please, Joe, let's let's not even look at those. Think about that anymore. (laughs) So let's move on to some news. Um, Turns out the first Fantastic Beast film did, in in fact, tease the Wizarding Circus, Circus Arcanus. We've spoken about this once or twice in the past couple of weeks. Um, One of our listeners, Madison saw one of her Facebook friends notice the Circus Arcanist sign in the Fantastic Beast movie. And Madison tweeted me. She was like, hey, look, it actually is in there. And if you go to 132.55 in the movie, you will see Graves walking right by the Circus Arcanist poster. Only a part of it, but it's there. Unbelievable. Yeah. And um, so that original report, mm. I... I don't mean to throw them under the bus but snitch seeker had said that it was for the first fantastic piece film and then they decided to not include it clearly they they did include at least a part of it i don't know if maybe snitch seeker meant they the plan was to include a whole scene of the circus i think isn't it a different poster entirely because the one that we saw was colorful and this one was just black and white and it seemed to be arranged differently like this one was portrait the other one was landscape yeah but point is it's still there it's there yeah you know it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, curious that so, it should be Graves that walks by it. Uh, right, yeah. I, I mean, this could be some classic J.K. Rowling foreshadowing when she was like, hey, you guys, put in some Circus Arcana stuff, and I'll get to it in Fantastic Beasts 2. Because we know she loved to do that in the book series, so you would have to think she's got the itch to do that type of thing again for the films. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I hope so. Yeah, I, I think I think so, too. Well, and, and the only... Um, info on that that is uh, on the Blu-rays is uh, there's just news that um, Rowling and Heyman and Yates just kind of were always seen on set together cracking the story as the film was developing. They figured out every nuanced aspect of every part of what was in the first movie and as J.K. Rowling was breaking the story of the first movie, she would bring it to them for their analysis and thoughts and feedback. So I'm sure that that exact same relationship has continued through the next group of films. And so something like Circus Arcanus, I mean, oh, yeah, in the next film we'll have a circus. Yates or Heyman were probably like, well, let's put an inkling in there somewhere in this film. And she's like, and J.K. Rowling was probably like, okay, here's the scene where you could do it. You know, like it, yeah. because I know what's, I know that it'll be relevant to Graves or, I mean, yeah, like it's absolutely, they are the new authors, you know, right. magnumus of, of this whole thing. Um, so I'm hoping, and I think there's a good shot because, like I said, J.K. Rowling loved to do this in the books, that we'll go back to these first couple movies and we'll see a lot of stuff that references what happens in the future. That'd be so that cool. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Mm hmm. Um, and speaking of Circus Arcanus, um, I was in London slash England in general last week. I got back last night, and I will be the first to admit that I probably sound a little hazy this episode because I'm very jet-lagged. We're recording late. Um, but so I stopped by Mina Lima. It's right around... The, they are the production designers for the Harry Potter movies. They have a they shop. They have... Huh? They have a shop. They have a shop right around the corner from Cursed Child. We've recommended it on the show here. It's free. You gotta freaking go. You have to go. If you're in London, don't, don't 
Never listen to this show again if you go to London and you don't go to Mina Lima. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with you. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, it's just so good. It's so good to see all the Harry Potter. So anyway, I went in there looking specifically this time for the Circus Arcana's art. And I did find it in the stairwell, actually. And uh, it looks really beautiful in person. It looks it j- just very colorful, very detailed. Um, it was exciting to see in person. And I posted a photo of it on Patreon. Um, so patrons, check that out over on patreon.com slash mugglecast. And by the way, you hear that sound? What? What is it? It's not It's not my copies of Beetle the Bard that I'm slapping. <sighs> I already burned those in a oh, fire. Oh, come on. <laughs> Along with Cursed Child and the Casual Vacancy. Yes, I, I hate so much of J.K. Rowling's work. Oh, no, I I have uh, two postcard sets: one Harry Potter, one Fantastic Beast, consisting of some of the art that Mina Lima designed for the films. And we're giving these away to Slug Club members over on Patreon. So, um, Slug Club members, be sure to enter that giveaway. It's running now through July twenty fourth over on Patreon.com slash muggle cast that's just one of the perks you get for supporting us on patron patreon exactly yeah exactly and these are cool because um these mina lima lima sets you can only get them from mina lima you can't like buy these in barnes and noble or whatever that's cool yeah so um another news item speaking of arts we're getting a first look at the fantastic beasts illustrated edition we got the cover and the some of the inside artwork. Interestingly, the Harry Potter Illustrated Editions have been using the same cover for both the U.S. and the U.K., but for some reason, um, the covers are differing for the U.S. and U.K. for Fantastic Beasts Illustrated Edition. Guess we'll have to buy both. <laughs> ah, that's why they did it. Cha-ching. The U.K. cover has an Akami on the front, and the U.S. cover has a griffin. And we got some previews of the artwork. We see a unicorn, a snidget, a ghoul, a manticore. And, so um, um, it looks good. What was the name you of know. the fifth grader that designed it? Fifth grader? Oh, my God. Okay, that's just insulting to the artist. Yeah, that's, that's really mean. that's really <laughs> rough. <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, maybe... Her name is Olivia Lomanek Gill. Okay. Micah. Oh, my God. She draws better than you do, that's for sure. I don't know about that. (laughs) Okay, Micah, you know what? Why don't you write Warner Brothers a letter? This seems to be a thing that you do. And, you know, give them some of your drawings for inclusion in in a future Fantastic Beasts Illustrated edition. I will. Okay. I don't know if it's the color palettes or what, but the art does seem similar to the Harry Potter Illustrated editions. Even though it's a different illustrator, don't they kind of feel the same? Because yeah. Jim K, right? Jim K. Jim yeah. K. Yeah. You like him, Micah? He does a great job. Yeah. I think okay. I think they're building a uh, a, a, a brand kind of style. I mean, um, I know it, it's it's hard to draw beasts that don't really exist. There's not much to work off of. You know, it's not like <laughs> yes, you so can ask them to pose, pose in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know the snidget kind of looks like you, Micah. My only regret is that <laughs> he um, should be so lucky. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> Mike is a very attractive man. I will say that uh, the only the only issue I have with this illustrated edition is there's not more actual content, more beasts. Uh, the films they developed in production. This is on the Blu-rays. Like there was that iceberg creature, which like looks like an iceberg up top, but down below it's like the world's largest whale. Like really cool stuff. Like this is still the same book that all of us legitimately own seven copies of already. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, the the. Is this the extent of it, though, or will there be more? In terms like, of the illustrations. Uh, oh, I'm sure there will be more than five illustrations. Yes, yeah, this is just a preview. Probably every beast will have an illustration, which is why they're selling it. But I mean, this one in particular, because they've recently re-released it with that new forward by Newt Scamander, and with the film in mind, you know, seems particularly egregious, like a money grab. Um, to really, I know they're it all money. Seem grabs. really soon. Yeah, but it's a, it's quite soon. Well, the blank page with the demi guys may be the best illustration. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Micah, don't buy it. Okay. <laughs> so one other news item. This kind of it doesn't exactly pertain to Harry Potter, but it brings up an interesting question. Disney, they held their annual D23 Expo. This is kind of like their own Comic-Con. They held it this past weekend, and they they unveiled a lot of theme park news. And one of the things they revealed is that they are going to build a Star Wars hotel. And it is a completely immersive experience to the point where you have a certain uniform to wear around the hotel and you'll kind of it sounds like you'll be going through like a a whole a whole storyline while you're there and you stay in these rooms that don't look like any hotel room you've seen before the concept art of one room looks like a bb8 themed room it has like a window into the galaxy you're staying it doesn't even have a tv like i don't know if they just (laughs) left that out just to show how immersive it, it it is but um the beds frankly look uncomfortable but that's besides the point we've spoken previously and it's been it's been a while so i wanted to bring it up again you know universal and disney they're competing a lot in florida now could this star wars hotel this immersive hotel um push universal to do a harry potter themed hotel and then the obvious one that they would do is Hogwarts. Boarding school, of course. Hogwarts Hogwarts lends itself to becoming a hotel where Star Wars Eric, I don't know if you can can you can you reference something in Star Wars that like people would actually want to live in? No, I mean not really. I think the example I was reading off of the Star Wars uh news post was um like come to the cantina and get some blue milk, just like Aunt Beru made. I'm like, okay, so they have a signature drink. I mean, blue milk, which it's still yeah. like, what about the lactose intolerant people? Sorry, fellas. Like, you know, it just, it just, um, I can't. Thank you for the challenge. I can't. I mean, unless you go full on Empire and you're like, this is the Death Star. Welcome to the Death Star. Here's your crew quarters or, or Camino, the cloning uh, quarters. There's really not residential places in Star Wars, all the characters sleep right. and live on starships, which are always in transit. So it's a unique yeah. it's a unique challenge, which I'm excited for. I think this Star Wars hotel is going to be pretty cool. And I think you're right. Like, it's going to set the bar 
and be the benchmark for other, you know, theme parks and themed hotels to take note off of. Whatever happens here, however this hotel exists, it's going to change a lot of the future of hotels. And so, I mean, yeah, Yeah. you would think Hogwarts would be – and Harry Potter would be better suited and and, and frankly – I remember talking about the possibility of a Hogwarts hotel when the Wizarding World theme park was first announced. Again, there's a MuggleCast for it, but you know that was what I think I remember saying that I that I wanted. I didn't even want a theme park because if you can just stay at Hogwarts and take some classes for like a week, that would have been everything to me. Yeah, well, yeah, I hadn't th- thought about the classes, but just going up into your dormitory, having a storyline like, play what- out. Well, like you book your reservation, you pick which Hogwarts house you want to stay in, right? Mm -hmm. So then you check in and they give you like a Hufflepuff scarf (laughs) and they're like, all right, go up to the Hufflepuff wing. And then you go up to the Hufflepuff wing and, you know, it feels feels like the Hufflepuff house. Poofy armchairs and got to go in through the portrait. And nobody ever dusts it. Room service does not dust it because that's how they <laughs> – I mean people with allergies could never – you could almost never do it too perfectly. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it's it's certainly intriguing. I I think that would, this spells that there will one day be a Hogwarts hotel. I, I really think so too. If I, if I were a betting man, put, I'd put my money down on it. Universal is expanding like crazy right now. They just built a water theme park. Wait, what? Universal just built a water theme park. That's crazy, really? Volcano Bay, yeah. Yeah, it just opened oh. a few weeks ago. Wait, Volcano B- Oh, that was... Well, that and that's in addition to their two new uh, hotel rooms. Yeah, they hotels. keep adding hotels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So, um... I agree. I, I just think it's a matter of time. Maybe this is the thing that I finally so pushes them. If they haven't yeah. been thinking about it or, like, really planning for it... You know they have the space, or if they don't, they'll find the space. So I think it's just yeah, it's a matter of time. If you think about it, I I I think I think Harry Potter pushed Disney to create a Star Wars land. So Disney's not only has Star Wars, but they have Avatar too, don't they? Yeah, they do, and I think that's another side effect of Harry Potter. Yeah, the well, hot thing to do now is IPs. You gotta you gotta get these big IPs into the parks. I'm all about the IPs. But is Avatar that big of a seller that no no to draw? No, it's a punchline. But at the same time, (laughs) they're they're developing it to be the this massive immersive. I mean, it looks amazing. Pandora soft opened like it looks amazing and it's officially opened. Yeah. The oh really the the only Mm -hmm. joke is that the the storyline because of the way the film's production schedule because they were going to make four sequels to Avatar uh, because that was held up. You can actually get spoiled on future Avatar films if you go through different storylines of different rides in the Avatar park. So Avatar exists as sort of a placeholder for future films, but it's going to be – I'd say it's going to try to be a contender in like five or six years when the next Avatar film comes out. It'll be up there with where Star Wars is – You know, I mean maybe not up there. If it's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. But they'll be on their way, maybe. But, it, but I think most people are in agreement that Avatar just hasn't caught on. Like Star, it is the highest grossing film ever, yes, but it hasn't. It doesn't have a fandom. Doesn't have a community. Yeah, Still, I, like Eric said, it's an immersive themed land, and for that reason, it'll be ex- successful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And this immersion, I mean, it's because of Harry Potter. But anyway, that's all. That's all. <laughs> yeah, we, we, don't we, we can take credit into. for that. We can absolutely uh-huh. take credit for that. Anyway, a couple of um, housekeeping notes before we wrap up today's celebratory. Yeah. Commemorative. Like Commemorative. Um, what, what's a... Uh, a, a reflective. A, uh, a wrestling... A, a battle type episode. <laughs> a beetle type episode. A, a battle for Beetle the Bard. <laughs> um, check out our website, mugglecast.com. We would love if you liked, if you're on Facebook, and let's be real, we're all on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash mugglecast. Give us a like. You'll be kept up to date on our latest new episodes as they're released. Also, twitter.com slash mugglecast. Um, and we would love your support over on Patreon, patreon.com slash mugglecast. We're actually getting ready to add a couple of new benefits. We're continuing to enhance it as time goes on. We want to keep everybody happy. Happy. Yep. Um, you can pledge two, five or $10 a month. Currently you can receive a variety of benefits depending on what pledge level you are supporting us at. New chapter reading coming very soon, and one was just posted. What's going on at our P.O. box, Eric? Well, I just had to say this, uh, because we got two amazing and completely, I want to say unsolicited, uh, but uh, gifts via the P.O. box this week. Uh, First, Claire Schaub, who listens to MuggleCast, was listening to our Ivana Lynch episode, which was uh, 326, and at the end of that episode... Um, Ivana Lynch and you guys are saying that I should try chickpeas, which I had never tried. And I asked the question, are they crunchy? Which shows my ignorance about chickpeas. Well, it turns out Claire Schaub has found, um, I'm holding up, I'm holding up the, uh, she, she was at the supermarket and came across the good bean brand, crispy, crunchy chickpeas for snacking and topping. So we wanted to thank Claire uh, for her generosity and for thinking of me. And you know what? I'm going to try them right now. If I can. Let us know if they're crunchy. Oh, I I will certainly. I I didn't think that chickpeas were supposed to be crunchy. I mean, they probably like are doing something and they're not supposed. Actually, I, you know, I tore off the thing, but I can't actually get it open. My hands are I. My hands are sweaty. This I is, can't get it this open. Is not, this Why is, are your hands sweaty? Well, because I'm podcasting without an air conditioner on, and it's like the middle of July. Hang on, guys. You know what? This this can't. Uh, this is me. Well, tr- I guess we'll continue to not know if Damn the hands are crunchy. We'll find oh. out on episode 329 whether or not the uh, oh my God. chickpeas were crunchy. We'll, 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 hear, uh, we'll hear episode 350 when it's winter in Chicago. You right. guys, I'm going to get a darn scissors. Give me right. a second. Oh my god, they're very crunchy. They do sound crunchy. Yes, these are delicious. Don't hold them with your hands though, because they're 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 gonna get all moist and then they won't be crunchy anymore. Um, these are delicious. This is this is the smoky chili and lime flavor of the good bean crispy crunchy chickpeas. They're delicious. I'm gonna have Today's to send. Today's podcast a is brought to you by bag of yeah, this. Enter uh, code Muggle for ten percent off your, <laughs> oh your chickpeas. Anyway, look. I mean, it's just so cool that listeners continue to send us these these um, unique and un- completely unsolicited items um, when they're thinking Absolutely. of us. And speaking of somebody else. A gentleman by the name of David Eastwick sent us his book. He actually published a book 
and it's called Gina Dare and the Emerald Tablet. It's a 300 and, oh no, 430 odd page book, uh, which is very Potter reminiscent. The woman on the front is holding a wand uh, and has emerald green eyes. So very interesting. But uh, David Eastwick sends his book with a message, MuggleCast, maybe this will be worth something someday, question mark. Thanks for the show. Uh, and he signed it. So we have a signed copy of Gina Dare and the Emerald Tablet by David Eastwick. Right. Well, you should eat chickpeas and read that book. I'm going to eat. Time. I'm going to get a good oh, way my, to celebrate. The spices are going to get all over the uh, pages. But yes, thank you, David. I will try and eat this. In a, I will try and read this in a vacuum. <laughs> we wish you luck on right. your success. Finally, we have a reminder. We're going to be at MuggleNet Live 2017, 19 years later. It is going to be a one-night event inside the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Orlando, including King's Cross Station, where you can catch the train off platform nine three quarters, drink unlimited butterbeer, and cast from the films will be there. We will be hosting a live podcast during the events, which will follow the cast Q&A sessions that are happening. And we're, we're also going to lead a scavenger hunt, or not a scavenger hunt, a, uh, a scouting hunt, a scouting journey. We're going to figure out where they can build the Hogwarts Hotel. We're going to start <laughs> looking for some open land around Orlando Let's that they can go, work with. We're going, going on a swamp trek, you guys. Swamp trek. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> When you go to purchase your ticket, we have a little discount for you, actually. Just enter code MuggleCast at checkout. You can receive $10 off. This is going to be on September 1st, which, of course, is the first day to Hogwarts. Back to Hogwarts, y'all. 19 years later. Just like in the book. 19 years later. Get it? Get it? It's the date. Read more about the events in our post at the top of MuggleCast.com. And you can use the link there to visit MuggleNetLive.com. But don't forget... When you do order your ticket, use code MuggleCast and you'll get $10 off. That's only five, six, seven, seven weeks away, you guys. It is very soon. We should probably buy our plane tickets. Yeah, mm, everyone should. Look idea. now. MuggleNetLive.com. <laughs> While we're there, probably make some predictions about what lies ahead. Maybe we can, if, if we're doing the podcast there, maybe we should um, ask people there. Hey, what do you think's coming up next in Harry Potter over the next decade? I would, I just want to pick Sean Biggerstaff's brain on everything because he'll be there. Oh, I I definitely want to do things with Sean Biggerstaff too. <laughs> <laughs> you can teach us how anyway. To play um, I need to go to bed and have dreams of Mina Lima. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back next week. Thank you for your support so much. We're having a great time doing these episodes weekly, and we have a ton to talk about. Who would have thought ten years later? Our... It's all thanks to Beetle the Bard. It has given us so much to work with. <laughs> hey, the Warlock's Harry Hart, man. That's I set, want it to be a TV miniseries. Set it in motion. Do it. You guys love it so much, but we've never done any special segments for Beetle the Bard. Have we so. not? We probably did a podcast on it. Did we do yeah, chapter by, I mean, by chapter? For the... No chapter by chapter. Story by story. I'm sure we did story by story. If we do uh, chapter readings I, for Patreon for that, I will not be participating. Oh, gosh. Okay. Why not? Protest. We'll get real Harry Potter fans to read those. <laughs> well, Emma Watson already read one of them. She did? Oh, that's true. Yeah, she can. Re- she she Tale replaces of the Three me. Brothers. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. All righty, buddy. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. See you next time. Goodbye. These chickpeas are really good. Long live Beetle the Bard.